Faith is a confident belief in God and His Word that affects the way you think, the choices you make, and the way you live. This message is the fourth in the series, I Will Grow Stronger. The message is entitled, Grow Your Faith. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, if you will, if you, if you don't have them out already, our teaching Jesus, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're going to continue our series together entitled, I Will Grow Stronger, and I want to talk to you today about growing your faith. How do you strengthen and grow your faith? When Jesus saved you and brought you into his kingdom, he did so to give you a, a, a wonderful life and a life that is abundant. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 10, the scripture says, Jesus himself said, the thief comes, that's the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come so that you may have life and have it, as one translation says, more abundantly. I love the word more. I love the word abundantly. It's just one thing to think about an abundant life, but it's an entirely another level when you think about a more abundant life. Jesus came to give you more life than you could ever experience alone apart from him. But this more life that you and I are to experience only happens when we cooperate with God. There are things that we must do. There are choices that we must make that put us in line with the more abundant life that Jesus wants to bring to us. And we've been talking about some of those choices. And I want to talk about one of those particular choices today, the I will grow stronger, but I will grow stronger in one particular area of life. I will grow stronger in my faith. It's a choice that you and I make. Now, as we talk about faith today, I, I want to begin by acknowledging something. I think that as soon as the topic of faith is brought to the attention of believers, perhaps you've heard lots of different things about faith through your years with Christ and different ideas about what faith is and what faith isn't. What I hope to do today is to debunk some myths when it comes to faith and to provide you a biblical framework to understand what faith really is all about. And so I'm going to share with you five lessons today that will help you to get a better handle on what faith is and how you grow it in your life. Number one, the Bible teaches us that faith is a journey that takes you to a destiny, that faith is a journey that takes you to a destiny. Faith is lots of different definitions, but let me boil it down to a basic definition today. Faith is, is confidence in God's nature and confidence in God's word. That's all faith really is. I believe in God, that is, I believe in the goodness and greatness of who God is. I have a confidence in His nature, and I believe in His Word. That can kind of summarize the essence of what faith is, because if you understand the, the, the tenets of faith, they're all found in the Word of God. And so when you believe the Word, you believe what's in here to guide you in living. And what faith does for you and me is that faith helps to form our thoughts and inform our decisions. And faith allows us to know how to act and how to behave. Actually, the bottom line of faith is your behavior. If you do not change your behavior, you may say you believe something, but your behavior says something different. Faith, real faith, always changes the way you live. It's very, very practical. And many people think of faith as only a possession. Either you have it or you don't. But what I want you to see today is that the Bible gives us a sense of faith being much more than just a possession. I either have it or I don't. No, faith is described in Scripture as a journey. It is a process. When I first started my relationship with Christ many years ago, I started by faith. I put my faith in Him. But over the years, there's been a growing and a maturing in my faith. So I started out expressing my faith in Jesus Christ, but I also stepped onto a faith 
journey that I've learned over the years what faith is more and more and how to utilize it in my life. And I'm continuing to learn because I'm heading toward a destiny. Your faith will never be fully realized until you get to heaven. When you get to heaven, then that's where perfection takes place. But you and I are on a journey of growing in faith. Let's take a look at some scriptures. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. Circle that phrase, have faith, have faith. That is, it's a journey you get on, a choice you make. Romans 1, verse 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Again, it's a journey. Colossians 2, verse 6 from the Living Bible. And now, just as you have trusted Christ to save you, or put your faith in Christ to save you, trust Him or put your faith in Him too for each day's problems, live in vital union with Him. So I want you to see today that you are on a faith journey. Maybe you're just getting started, but you are on a journey toward growing your faith in Christ. And so the goal goal is, yes, to get faith, but the significant goal in your life is to grow your faith. When you grow your faith, you get more faith. So I want to ask you an important question as we start out today. Where are you on your faith journey? Have you started yet? If you haven't started your faith journey, you need to start that faith journey today. Or maybe you started your faith journey a while back with Jesus and somewhere along the line you've been detoured or you've kind of backtracked a bit. And so if that's the case with you, you need today to say, you know what, I'm going to get back on track in my faith journey. Or maybe you've been a little bit maybe, maybe lazy in your faith journey recently. Maybe it's time to sort of turn up the notch a bit in terms of growing your faith so that it's stronger. But everybody's on a journey. It's just a matter of where you are on that journey. And the journey of faith, if you exercise it effectively, will lead you to somewhere great in life. It leads to a great destiny. Number two, the presence of faith. This is what you must understand about faith. The presence of faith does not mean, it never means the absence of doubt. A lot of people think that if I have faith, I'll never have any doubts. That is not true at all. In fact, faith actually is the weapon that you use against your doubts. I like to say it this way. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is the antidote for doubt. Because everybody has some doubts from time to time. I'm sure there have been moments in your life when you've said, God, where are you? Anyone ever had that, that statement in your life? I can't see you at work in my life right now. What's going on? God, I'm kind of doubting whether you're hearing my prayers or answering. I'm, I'm doubting some things. And so often the devil will use that to tell you that you don't have faith. But the presence of a doubt does not mean the absence of faith. Actually, your faith is designed as a weapon to be used against your doubts. One of the significant characters in the New Testament, one of Jesus' disciples, was a man named Thomas. Anybody remember Thomas? We often refer to him as Doubting Thomas. How would you like that for your legacy? Okay. Sometimes we actually kind of point our fingers in negative ways at Thomas, but all of us have been a Thomas at some point in time in life. One of the beautiful things about Jesus is that Jesus knew how to reach Thomas even in the midst of his doubting. Let's go to the story in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24. 
This is after Jesus had risen from the grave and Thomas, Jesus had appeared to the disciples. Ten of them were there and Thomas had not been there. Of course, Judas by this time was not a part of the group any longer. But Thomas had not been present at that moment when Jesus appeared. Here's the story. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't. What's the next word? Believe. I won't believe it unless I see it. Sounds like some of you, right? He had to be from Missouri, right? Okay. Got to see it. Prove it to me. I won't believe it until I see it. The nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into, into them and place my hands into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. Let me just stop there for a moment. Isn't it great that Thomas didn't, didn't stop coming to church even when he was doubting? Isn't it good to know, okay? Even when you face your doubts and you're dealing with doubts, keep pressing into God. Thomas was with the people of God even though he was facing doubts. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Notice this statement because in this one moment, there's a turning point for Thomas. And Jesus said, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. One translation renders it this way. Stop doubting and believe. Say that phrase with me. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus said, use your faith against your doubts. That is, this doubt has arisen in you. Now grab your artillery called faith and use your faith against your doubts. And I will tell you this, when you use your faith against your doubt, faith always conquers doubt. My Lord, my God, and my God, Thomas exclaimed, and Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. What I want you to note here is the, the incredible turnaround that happens for Thomas when he began to exercise, utilize faith against, against doubt. I'll give you one more story very quickly. It's going to be found in Mark chapter 5. Here's the backdrop of the story. Jesus uh, found himself one day in a crowd of people, and there was a synagogue ruler named Jairus who came to him uh, very upset, very concerned, because his little girl at home was very, very sick at the point of death, and so he's asking Jesus to come to his house and heal his daughter. So here's Jairus appealing to Jesus, come heal my daughter. And so Jesus agrees to go with him to his home there. And on the way, as he's traveling to Jairus' home, he is interrupted by a lady in the crowd who sneaks through the crowd and reaches out and touches the edge of his garment, and she is healed. So Jesus stops the procession on his way to Jairus' house. There is a delay. There's a delay in the answer. There's a delay in the process. While Jesus ministers to somebody else. And, of course, all this transpires, and this lady is miraculously healed. It's an amazing moment that happens. But in this time, by the time that Jesus moves from that ministry situation to start heading toward Jairus' house again, someone from the home comes and tells the crowd, tells Jairus, and Jesus overhears it, don't bother the teacher anymore because the little girl now is dead. She's not just sick. It is over with. She is dead. It's done. There's no hope here in this situation now. And of course, Jairus found himself in a moment of doubt and a moment of fear because he felt like Jesus had been on the way to help, but had been delayed in the process. Notice how Jesus responds to Jairus. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, read the rest with me, 
Don't be afraid, just have faith. Faith is the weapon that you use against doubt and fear in your life. It is not, I will tell you that faith is not an insurance policy against doubt. Faith is a weapon that you use against doubt. Amen? There's a big difference. Faith is not an insurance policy against doubt. Faith is a weapon that you use against doubt. Ephesians 6, 16 is a part of the armor of God, we're told. In addition to all, all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Number three, getting stronger in your faith involves exercise. Getting stronger in your faith involves exercise. For something to grow, you must feed it. For something to get stronger, you must exercise it. And there's certain exercises that you and I can do that actually build our faith. Have you ever gone to a gym before or been engaged with a trainer before? They will tell you certain exercises that are necessary to do for your upper body and lower body. And they understand if you do these uh, a certain number of times in a certain number of ways that you will gain strength. And if you don't do them, you won't. And so it's true in the area of faith as well. There's some exercises that you must do if you want your faith to grow. Jesus cannot do your exercises for you. Amen? Anybody ever tried to cast fat off your body in Jesus' name? Okay. I command fat to go. And, that, you know, I've noticed Jesus doesn't work with that prayer very much, but he does help me when I exercise, right? Okay. The same is true with your faith, okay? And so if you're going to get your, if your faith's going to be stronger, you can't just say, come faith, okay? You have to actually exercise. You've got to do some things that will get your faith stronger. And if you don't do these things, you're going to remain weak in faith. So let me care, share with you very quickly eight faith exercises. We're going to cover these really, really rapidly. And so I want you to go back and study them on your own because this will be very valuable for you. Number one, you need to ask for faith. It's okay to ask for faith. The apostles said to the Lord, Luke 17, 5, increase our faith. So they prayed that prayer. In Mark chapter 9, an amazing story. Jesus had been up on the mountain of transfiguration. And while he was up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, down at the foot of the mountains, there was a man that had come to the disciples with a demon-possessed boy. And they tried to get the disciples to cast the demon out of this boy. And they could not cast him out. And so when Jesus comes down from the mountain, this boy's father comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, here's my son. He's in a big mess. He needs help. He's demonized. If you can, would you help him? That was the statement the man said. Jesus said, if I can, if I can, don't you know that all things are possible to those that believe? And in that moment, here we find verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, what was his prayer? Read it with me. Help me overcome my unbelief. One of the things that will help you to grow in faith is to ask God to increase your faith. Number two, you've got to learn to listen, to listen to God's word. Romans 10 verse 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So hearing God's word with your heart is how your faith grows. That's one of the reasons, as I mentioned regularly, why it is essential that you be in the house of God on a regular basis receiving instruction. Because part of what's going on in this service today at all of our campuses, as you're hearing God's word, your faith is getting stronger. Your faith is increasing. When you pick up your Bible every morning and spend a little time reading or a good devotional resource where you 
focus on the word of God. Your faith muscles are being exercised and strengthened. So you must listen. Number three, you must be a person of action. You have to act. You have to act on your faith. James 2 verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. You can say, I believe something all day long, but if you don't act on it, then you don't have no faith. You're not demonstrating faith. So faith is accompanied with action. There are many different actions that we take to demonstrate our faith. It's called obedience. I'm going to talk a bit more about that in a moment. But let's illustrate it in just a couple of ways. Jesus teaches us the importance of bringing, for example, our tithe to God. That's a financial gift to God. When you do that, you're putting your, your faith your, to action. You're doing something that says, I'm going to trust God with this resource in my life. I believe that He can provide for me. When you take anything in Scripture and you put it into practice, you're saying, I believe that God's Word is true. I'm going to act upon it. So you can talk faith all day long, but real faith is always demonstrated by action. How did Peter demonstrate that he had faith in the boat when he said to Jesus, Jesus, if that's you, bid me come. Peter, at some point, had to step out of the boat, and when he did, he walked on the water. You'll never walk on water until you get out of the boat. Amen? It's called action. Number, number four, you have to speak your faith. It has to be a part of your vocabulary. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. There's a language of faith, and there's a language of doubt. You've been around people before that had the language of doubt, the language of negativity, and everything they said was down and bad, and, and nothing was going to work out, and doom and gloom. And you've been around people before who had the language of faith, who believed in the capacity of God and His willingness to come through. What you want to develop in your life is the language of faith. Why? Because you will talk yourself out of a lot of blessings if you're not careful. The Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. Number five, you have to expect that God is going to work. Expect that God will do what he said he's going to do. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence. Notice that word, confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Faith always creates a positive, an atmosphere of positive anticipation. It always creates an atmosphere of positive expectation. I hope that every week when you come to church, you come to church expecting God to show up and speak to you. Amen? Amen. Expecting God. See, when Jesus is present, you never know what's going to happen, right? But you can expect and anticipate that good things are going to happen. There's the anticipation. The sixth thing I'll mention here is you have to observe. Keep your eyes open. Look for God's work in the world around you. Psalm 66, verse 5, come and see what God has done. Notice that, come and see what God has done, His awesome deeds for mankind. Our faith increases when we look for God's works around us. It is very easy, especially in today's world, to be very aware of what the devil's doing in the world, isn't it? All you must do is open up a news website. Or a newspaper. And you can just read all day long about what the devil's doing. The devil's creating problems here and creating strife there. And division here and problems there. And so if we're not careful, we will take in all this diet of what the devil is doing. And we will miss what God is doing. I'm here to tell you today that yes, the devil is doing something. But God is doing something in our world as well today. Amen. Okay. 
It's not, it, this, ain't, this is not the devil's place, okay? In all the stuff the devil might be doing in the world around us, God is at work. God is doing some incredible things. God has not lost the big picture. God is moving us toward a day when his son will come back again and split the eastern sky. And there'll be a trumpet that will blast. And there'll be the wrapping up of all things. He is moving us toward the day when Jesus will return again. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. And that he will rule and reign forever and ever. Don't you dare lose sight of what God is doing, okay? Because when you lose sight of what God's doing, all you're going to see is what the devil's doing. Lift your eyes and see because it builds your faith. Number seven, tell. Tell what God's doing. If God does something in your life, tell people about it. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. See, faith grows when you tell others about God's work in your life. The last thing I'll mention at this point is to guard, guard, guard your faith. Guard it. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and be strong. Don't let the devil steal your progress in faith, guard it. The fourth major point today in our time together about faith, growing strong in faith, is to realize that faith is the backbone of obedience, and obedience is the pathway to blessing. Faith is the backbone to obedience, and obedience is the pathway to blessing. Deuteronomy 28 verse 2 says, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to summarize this point and, and move very quickly now to our final point in just a moment. We're giving you a, an equation that I, I often use, and some of you will have heard this before, but it's, it's a good reminder. I remind myself of this regularly, that in, in, in your relationship with God, there's a very simple equation that can always move you toward growth. Okay? Your number one objective as you're growing in God is to get to know God as much as you possibly can. What can I, how can I know God better? Okay? What do I need to know about Him, about His nature, His character? So you study the Bible and you pray to know God. You come together like we're coming together today so that your, your knowledge of God increases. Why is that important? Because the more you know of God, the more you know God, the more you will trust God. Amen? Okay. See, I may not know you well, but if I get to know you and learn that you're really a fantastic person, you have an incredible heart, and you're just, just a wonderful person, that when I get to know you, then out of knowing you, I start trusting you, right? I can't trust you until I know you, right? And so a lot of people are trying to trust God without getting to know Him. So you start by getting to know God, and God will reveal Himself to you. He said, if you seek me, you'll find me if you search for me with all your heart. So God will make Himself known to you. So you, you get to know God. When you know Him, you trust Him, okay? When you trust Him, here's the next part of the equation. I would write this down sequentially because it is. Know God, trust God, and then the third part of the equation is then you will obey God, Okay? Anytime you trust someone, then you're willing to obey them, right? Okay. 
That's part of what parents try to help with their kids. I want you to trust me. I know what's better for you. I'm trying to guide you. If you'll just trust me and just obey. Don't fight with me. Don't try to tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, don't go through all that process. Just know me. Know what I, 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 I have your best interest. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Trust me and then now obey me. Okay, that's what God says to us. So know God. You know him, it helps you to trust him. When you trust him, you're going to be more willing to obey him. And then when you obey him, you'll be blessed by him, okay? Obedience is what leads to blessing. A lot of us want to jump over here to the blessing part. Oh, God, whoop, bless me, okay, right? And we don't want to walk through the steps, but to get to the blessing part, you've got to know, trust, and obey. Got it? All right, last point together here. Faith is a gift to be shared. One of the beautiful things about faith is that it is contagious. That when you have faith, it's something that you need to share with other people. It's shareable and it ought to be shared. Think about all the benefits that have come to your life by your faith. Anybody glad you have faith? It's changed your life, hasn't it? When Jesus came into your life, your life is different now than it used to be. And so you have the most phenomenal event that has transpired in Jesus living in you. There's nothing greater than that. But sadly, listen to me, this is not a condemnation. It's just a moment of, of just perhaps adjustment in our life. Sadly, a lot of people are more willing to talk about politics or to talk about their products they're excited about or to talk about their sports teams than they are about their Savior. And I will tell you that what we ought to be most, most willing to talk about and most willing to share about above and beyond anything else, you can have your politics, you can have your sports teams, you can enjoy your products. All that's awesome, fantastic. But let me tell you something, put your Savior first. Amen? The number one thing that you have to share with someone else is not your opinion about any of those things. Your number one thing that you have to share with someone else is about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. There is nothing greater than that. There's no story that is equal to that. There's no product that, that can supersede that. There's no politics that, 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 that overwhelm that. What you must understand, that is the most important dimension of your life. We center our lives around our Savior. Amen? so valuable. Now, how do you communicate your faith? How do you communicate your faith? I'm going to talk about two quick ways that you communicate your faith. Number one is by publicly acknowledging your faith in Jesus Christ through something called water baptism. I'm going to talk about that just for a moment. If you've never been water baptized, that's one of the ways that you actually publicly affirm to other people that you're going to be a follower. You're a public follower of Jesus Christ. It's very essential. Because water baptism is all about you stepping up before people, stepping into a water tank and saying, I want to identify with Jesus in baptism. That when you go under the water, you're saying, I am dying to my old way of life. I don't want to be that old person anymore. I want the world to know that I'm giving up that old way of living. And you come up out of the waters and you're proclaiming, I'm now going to live in the newness of life in Jesus Christ. Water baptism is powerful. Today, after every service, this service, uh, this morning at all of our campuses, water baptism is available. If you've never been water baptized, you need to take that step. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. How many folks? Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Baptism doesn't get you to heaven, okay? Baptism doesn't save you. But baptism is what equips you to, to identify in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Luke 9, verse 26, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. To help you to understand the power of baptism, I want you to turn your attention to the screen just for a moment for a, a short testimony. Let's watch it together. I don't think that our faith can just be personal. It also has to be public. My name is Jason Canales. I've been attending Redeemer for about six or seven years now. Leading up to baptism, there was a mixture of nervousness on one hand and excitement on the other because you don't know what the experience is gonna be like. But at the same time though, you do know that it is gonna be better. You're a lot more honest and open and, and genuine in your relationship with Christ because of it. It's important to get baptized because, well, Jesus was baptized. He also told us to get baptized. And the most obvious thing here is that it's a public declaration of your faith as a Christian. Accepting Christ was the most important decision of my life, but that wasn't the end of the story. My baptism felt like my first true and honest experience, being public and open about my relationship with Christ. I remember seeing my family there, my friends there, all these people that mattered to me, and then really just having that special moment, you know, being just as open and, and honest as possible about everything that I'd been through my entire life in my relationship with Christ. And it, it all sort of came into that one moment where I said, yeah, this is, this is what I believe in, this is who I am as a Christian. If you're a Christian and you haven't been baptized yet, I highly encourage you to take that next step and get baptized. Isn't that awesome? Fantastic. And again, this morning, what I would say to you, that if you have never been baptized at the end of today's service, whether you're at one of our campuses or right here at the Gaithersburg campus, Gaithersburg campus baptisms will happen immediately after the 9 o'clock service this morning, the 10 o'clock services and 11 o'clock services as well, 1 o'clock service, uh, right downstairs in the first floor of this building at the other campuses. They'll happen right there in the worship center. Uh, you don't have to be pre-registered. Just walk up and say, I need to get baptized. We have a change of clothes for you. Uh, we have hair dryers even, amen, okay? So, okay, we'll make you look pretty before you leave, all right? So uh, it's a great step for you. There's another dimension of, of, of sharing your faith that is essential. It's talking about your faith to other people. Let me read First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And with this, we're going to conclude with just a brief story. Quietly trust yourself to Christ your Lord, and if anybody asks why you believe as you do, be ready to do what? To tell him. And do it in a gentle and respectful way. I would submit to you this morning from personal experience that there's nothing more exciting in your life other than your own salvation than helping somebody else find Jesus. There really is nothing like it. There's absolutely nothing like it to know that you had a part in sharing your story with someone else in a way or, or, or engaging with someone else in a way that has made the difference in their life for eternity. When I was in high school, there was a friend that I met in chemistry class. And uh, we were, I think we were lab partners, I believe is how we actually met. And we developed a, a friendship together. And I was a believer in Jesus. He was not. But we had a lot of common interests and so forth. And we really had good chemistry, just a good friendship that we had. But he, he wasn't a believer. 
And I shared my faith with him from time to time and really as, it, as opportunity provided and, and really had never seen any breakthroughs that had occurred there in him coming to faith in Christ. But one day I, I decided to invite him to a church service, to an event that was happening. And that was actually was a, a, a music event. Christian music was going to be there and there was going to be preaching. It was kind of a church service in essence. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll be glad. I'd love to go to that. And so I, I picked him up. We went together to this event. And there in that event, that afternoon, this friend of mine gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. I've had the privilege over the years to having that experience with numbers of different people sharing my faith. But I remembered that one this week. It was so valuable to me because I've watched his life since that time where he's raised a family and had a very successful career and done some phenomenal things and has a whole Christian heritage now in his life because I reached out to him that one day and said, would you go to church with me? Would you go to this event with me? And I will tell you, my heart was filled with joy when, when he raised his hand that day in that service and gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. God wants to use you to be a bridge to other people who need to know him. Amen? And I will tell you, your faith grows when you share it. When you share your faith, your faith gets stronger. And one of the, most, one of the simplest ways that you can do that is by inviting people to church. You say, well, what's the big deal about that, Pastor? You're just trying to get more people at church? Yeah, actually I am, okay? I mean, more people need to be in church, amen? Okay, that's not, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Because what we've discovered here is this. We've discovered that when people invite their family and friends to church who don't know Jesus, when they, when they get in an environment like this, you know who's present? Jesus is present, and Jesus is able to work in their hearts and lives and lead them to relationship with Christ. We had several thousand people last year who gave their hearts and lives to Jesus in, some of, in, in all of our different services and outreaches, and many of those who gave their life to Christ did so because one of you invited them to church that day, and they turned their lives over to Christ. Let me encourage you. Make the decision to be a person who shares your faith. Go public with your faith. Amen? There are a lot of doubters who are very public about their doubt, okay? Let me encourage you. You be public about your faith. If you haven't been baptized, make the choice to publicly affirm your faith in Christ through baptism. And don't you be afraid to tell your Jesus story to people, to invite people to the Savior just like you have experienced Him. Amen? God says for you to have the more life, you need to grow stronger in faith. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We're so grateful for you speaking to us. We ask, Lord, that you'll take this message, seal it deeply in our heart by your Holy Spirit today, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, 
I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.